Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more. Give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com is the website. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. An update on public education in Florida. We'll visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American commitment. We'll be talking about Biden's double death tax. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be with us as well. Excuse me. It is September the 16th, and on this day in 1932, in his cell in Yerwada Jail and Prune, Mahatas Karimchand Gandhi, or Mahatma Gandhi, began a hunger strike in protest of the British government's decision to separate India's electoral system by caste. A leader in the Indian campaign for home rule, Gandhi worked all his life to spread his own brand of passive resistance across India and the world. By 1920, his concept of uh, Saitayagra, or insistence upon truth, had made Gandhi an enormously influential figure for millions of followers. Jailed by British government from 1922 to 24, he withdrew from the political action for a time during the 20s. But in the 30s, he returned a new civil disobedience campaign. This landed Gandhi in prison again, but only briefly, as the British made concessions to his demands and invited him to represent the Indian National Congress Party at a roundtable conference in London. After his return to India in January 1932, Gandhi wasted no time beginning another civil disobedience campaign for which he was jailed yet again. Eight months later, Gandhi announced he was beginning a fast unto death in order to protest British support of a new Indian constitution which gave the country's lowest classes, known as the untouchables, their own separate political representation for a period of 70 years. Gandhi believed this would permanently and unfairly divide India's social classes. A member of more uh, powerful Vaisa, or uh, merchant class, Gandhi nonetheless advocated for the emancipation of the untouchables, whom he called Harijans, or children of God. This is a God-given opportunity that has come to me, Gandhi said from his cell at Yerovoda, to offer my life as a final sacrifice to the downtrodden, though also other public officials, officials in uh, India, including Benjamin Baraho Bamji, Ramji Abdikar, the uh, official political representative of the Untouchables, had questioned Gandhi's true commitment to the lower classes. His six-day fast ended after British government accepted the principal terms of a settlement between higher caste Indians and the Untouchables that reversed the separation decision. As India slowly moved towards independence, Gandhi's influence only grew. He continued to resort to the hunger strike as a method of resistance, knowing the British government would not be able to withstand the pressure of the public concern for the man they called Mahatma or Great Soul. On January 12, 1948, Gandhi undertook his last successful fast in New Delhi to persuade Hindus and Muslims in the city to work towards peace. On January 30, less than two weeks after breaking the fast, he was assassinated by a Hindu extremist on his way to an evening prayer meeting. What a great man. Passive resistance, what tremendous personal power he had 
without ever lifting a finger in violence. Former Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller, who led the Pentagon from the period after the 2020 election through Inauguration Day, said that he did not and would not ever authorize Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley to have secret calls with his Chinese counterpart describing the allegations as disgraceful, an unprecedented act of insubordination, and calling him to resign immediately. In a statement, he said that the United States Armed Forces from its inception had operated under the inviolable principle of civilian control of the military. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is the highest-ranking military officer whose sole role is providing military-specific advice to the president and by laws prohibited from exercising executive authority to command forces, said Miller. The chain of command runs through the president to the secretary of defense, not to the chairman. Miller went on to reference the allegations which are included in the book Peril, co-written by Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Robert Costa that Milley had made two secret calls, both to his Chinese counterpart uh, of the People's Liberation Army. The book alleges that the uh, phone call took place prior to the 2020 presidential election on October the 30th, and then two days later after the January 6th Capitol riot on January 8th, 2021. The book came, claims that Miley, or Milley contacted Lee after he had re, uh, reviewed intelligence that suggested Chinese officials believed the United States was planning an attack on China amid exercises in the South China Sea. The author of the book also claimed Milley contained, contacted Lee a second time to reassure him the U.S. would not make any type of advances or attack in China in any form. Uh, we are 100% steady. Everything's fine, but democracy can be a sloppy sometimes, he said Milley. <clears throat> Uh, there are multiple individuals who were in the room during the two phone calls Millie had with Lee. They, their calls in October were coordinated with then Defense Secretary Mike, Mark Esper's office. These were not secret, a U.S. official said. Uh, Fox News has also learned that there are about 15 people present for the calls. Uh, sources also told Fox News that there were multiple note-takers present and said the calls were both conducted with full knowledge of then-Defense Secretary Mark Esper and then-Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller, something Miller has denied. This is so interesting. Miller, uh, Miley, or Millie, should be, uh, he should, first of all, be court-martialed and then have a punishment equivalent to life imprisonment or even a firing squad, in my opinion. This is totally out of line, and he's had no authority to make Take these steps. I don't care what the circumstances or what he believed at the time. He signed up to be a special counsel to the president. A special counsel looking into the investigation of contacts between former President Donald Trump's campaign and Russia has told the Justice Department he will ask a grand jury to indict a cybersecurity lawyer on a charge of making false statements to the FBI. That, according to the New York Times, reported on Wednesday. John Durham, remember the name? He was appointed uh, by General Attorney General William Barr as a special counsel in 2019 to investigate the U.S. officials who probed the Trump-Russia contacts. Trump, a Republican, portrayed the 2016 FBI investigation as part of a witch hunt against him. The lawyer, Michael Sussman, is a former federal prosecutor who represented the Democrat National Committee on issues related to the Russia's 2016 hacking of its servers. Uh, citing unnamed uh, people familiar with the matter, according to the Times. Sussman's lawyers, 
John Berkowitz and Michael Bosworth say in a, said in a statement their client had committed no crime. We are confident that if Mr. Sussman is charged, he will prevail at trial and vindicate his good name, they said. When Hornbuckle, a spokesperson for Durham, declined to comment on the Reuters report. The accusation against Sussman focuses on a meeting he had in September 2016 with a top FBI lawyer in which he relayed analysis from cybersecurity researchers who thought odd internet data might be evidence of a covert channel between the computer service associated with the Trump Organization and the Kremlin-linked Russian bank, the Times reported. The FBI eventually decided those concerns had no merit. The case against Sussman, who his client was when he met with the FBI lawyer, and this is where it gets interesting, the FBI lawyer called Sussman says he was not meeting on behalf of any client while Sussman told Congress in 2017 deposition that he sought the meeting on behalf of a cybersecurity expert, according to the newspaper. Durham, the Times reported, has obtained billing records from Sussman's law firm showing that he had logged certain hours as working on the Russian bank matter he billed them to Democrat Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Now, how these things usually work is that usually they start indicting the people at the lower level of the crime and uh, then get them to quote-unquote sing, that is to uh, give information about who might be higher up. Maybe this all leads to Hillary Clinton. We'll see. Anyhow, it's nice to hear that Durham is following up on this. We, for a long time, never heard about what was going on with regard to his investigation and into uh, what's happening. <clears throat> Senator Joseph Hawley of Missouri has demanded that the resignation of Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in the aftermath of the U.S. withdrawal of military forces from Afghanistan resulting, of course, in the 13 deaths of members of armed forces and the abandonment of American citizens called green card holders in, uh, in the country. He said that in light of the failures of the administration's leadership in leaving Afghanistan at the end of 20 years' war, he would not vote to confirm any further nominations put forth by Biden until these resignations were tendered. So let me be clear, Holly said, I will not consent to the nomination of any nominee of the State of the Department of Defense or for the Department of State until Secretary Austin and Blinken and Jake Sullivan resign. Leaders take responsibility for their failures and the failure of these individuals. The failure of this administration has cost American lives and has left American civilians to the enemy. They must be accountable. There must be accountability, and then there must be a new start. Holly cried the administration for leaving hundreds of Americans. Uh, left behind to the enemy, and said that Biden's claiming that departure mission was extraordinarily successful and an extraordinary success was unforgettable in the light of apparent failures. Really, Hawley said, has the commander-in-chief in American history ever uttered words more like that? Has the commander-in-chief ever celebrated as successful the abandonment of American citizens in the en- to the enemy, the death of American soldiers, the terrorizing of American citizens and American allies? He would hope he would never hear such shameful and disgraceful words from the president ever again. Thank you, Senator Josh Hawley. I think this is uh, extremely appropriate. It would be great if they would resign. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. For the, web- the website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. 
Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. Pastor Stevens is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Could you tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance? Florida Citizens Alliance is regular people like everybody listening who cares about our children and their education. We're the kind of people who are aware of what's going on in our world and realize that education has been a leading cause of that. And we want to bring solutions to that problem, help our kids learn the truth, learn how to read, learn how to write. And so we work with people all across Florida that care about kids and want to bring solutions to education to help our kids thrive. That's what we're about. A great organization uh, just had tremendous influence, positive influence, on what's happening with public education in Florida. The website is goflca.com, goflca.com. Pastor Rick, I understand there's some breaking news with what's going on in Lee County and the mask situation. Well, as everybody is well aware the mask situation is a 
controversy across Florida, especially as it relates to schools and requiring children to wear masks or making it optional based upon the parents' decision. And we had a, the Parents' Bill of Rights passed by the legislature last year and signed into law by the governor, and it clearly puts parents in charge of decisions like that. And yet school districts were in violation of the governor's executive order and were imposing mass mandates. In Lee County, it started out pretty benign because the school district decided to make it optional, and parents could make those decisions and send their children with a mask or without. And we all thought that was fine because we believe in liberty. People ought to be allowed to make their own decisions. Well, not long into the school year, the school board decided right after a court decision took place that that they would mandate mask wearing. The governor's executive order was challenged in court, and a circuit court judge ruled against the governor and said that school districts could impose mandates, uh, mask mandates. Well, lots of school districts across the state stepped up, and we don't think it was an accident that they all kind of did this at the same time Mm. and imposed those mask mandates. Well, the parents in Lee County, and of course parents in other parts of the state as well, they were absolutely horrified by this. They recognized that they have the responsibility for their children. There were huge numbers of people turned out to the school board meetings in Lee County. Very, very affirmative statements that they were responsible for their children and they expected their rights to be honored. And it went on for quite some time, and, and yet the school district didn't seem to want to change their mind. Parents took their kids to school without masks. Children were put in isolation rooms who didn't wear masks to school, and parents had to, had to go pick them up. I talked to one parent who didn't even know her daughter had been put in isolation for a couple of hours. Hmm. Imagine a, a child in school being put in an isolation room by themselves, and she was furious. So this has been going on and bubbling for quite a long time. Um, the, the state has been resolute. The, uh, the governor filed with the Court of Appeals to appeal the lower court's decision, and when that happens, and, and there's some other technical legal stuff that, that meant that the lower court judge's order wasn't even officially in effect. And so now there is clear legal authority for the governor, governor to say no mass mandate that the circuit court put a hold on the lower court decision until it can be appealed. So all that was going on, and the parents were upset and all of that, and, and we weren't really sure where it was going to go. Then earlier... This week, Spencer Roach, one of the representatives from Lee County, to the, he's a member of the Florida House, he sent a letter to the school superintendent, a very direct letter, and he said to the superintendent that what you're doing with mask mandates, and by the way, it was the superintendent's decision in Lee County. The school board had given that authority to him. And so Representative Roach said to the school superintendent, if you don't re- lift this mask mandate, I will ask the governor to remove you as the school superintendent. Hmm. So you, you see, the stakes really were raised, and it was really a direct letter. And, and we appreciate Spencer Roach for stepping up and defending the rights of parents, because if our rights mean anything, they mean anything when there's a crisis and there's a challenge. Well, earlier this week, the, the superintendent, the school board agreed. They lifted the mask mandate requirement and allowed the parents to make the decision. And we felt like that was a huge victory, not just in Lee County, but it demonstrates that what, that when people step up and assert what's right under the law, that they can win and they don't have to buckle under to, to unjust mandates of any kind. Hmm. 
And, and so we really appreciate Spencer Roach, the governor, commissioner of education, Richard Corcoran, all of them defending the parents in Lee County and really across the state of Florida. And related to that, I got a call yesterday from a father whose student at school is having trouble in a different county over the mask mandate. And so I was glad to say to him, well, you have an option because the work of the Florida Citizens Alliance resulted in the mask harassment qualifying as a Hope Scholarship incident. And you can take your child to the school of your choice if that's what you'd like to do. So uh, we, we feel really good about some of these things. There's still a lot of challenges, but wow, isn't it great when, when our rights prevail? Absolutely. And what we should have comes true. Yeah, well, of course, if, uh, if people don't like the law, they can ask to have the law changed or work to get the law changed. But that is the law. Uh, we do have a, a parent's bill of rights. They do have the right to make these decisions. And thank goodness. Uh, for our governor yes. and for everything that's in place. Well done. So, hey, I understand that you uh, won a lawsuit uh, that you filed in 2017. Well, I'm telling you, that made my day late last week when this decision came down. It, it's It's been percolating out there for a long time, and it largely wasn't on our radar because when these things happen, we don't necessarily think that it's going to have a good conclusion. But back in 2017, uh, maybe a few people remember this, the Florida Citizens Alliance and some parents in Collier County recognized that the school district had made a mistake in choosing textbooks outside the sunshine. Now, Florida has robust sunshine laws, and decisions need to be made where everybody can see what's going on, and as a result of that, have input into what's going on. Well, for whatever reason, the policies that the board had in place resulted in a decision being made about a textbook that was not in the sunshine and did not meet the requirements of the sunshine law. Well, we filed suit in the in the lower court in Collier County asking them to stop the board from buying these books because they had violated the sunshine law and asking them to, to fix the process. Well, the lower court in Collier County, they didn't hardly consider it. That's my interpretation of that. It seemed like they made a really... Um, shallow decision based entirely on the brief that the school district attorneys submitted, didn't really think it through or consider our arguments carefully at all. And so we lost. They said, no, it's not a problem. School board can go ahead and do what they do. And they did. Well, our attorneys were not at all satisfied with that decision. And so they asked if they could go ahead and appeal to the circuit court or to the district court of appeals. And we said yes, and they spent hours working on it and sending it in. And, and we were glad for that, but, you know, those things take a long time. Yeah. And we had really lost track of it. We don't have a lot of energy to spend on things that, that, that are outside of our control. So it was just kind of out there. Well, on, I believe it was Thursday or Friday of last week, maybe it was Friday, the decision came down that we won. Congratulations. The Court of Appeals agreed with us that they violated the sunshine. So... Yippee! Yeah, <laughs> congratulations, Pastor. See, I need to move on to my uh, next guest, but I do want you sure. to mention what's happening on October the uh, 5th. October 5th is going to be a great day. We want to invite everybody to join us. We are having Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at Seed to Table for a great event. He's going to be speaking. There's a meal opportunity with that, a lot of meet-and-greet opportunities. They can go to our website. You mentioned it earlier, goflca.com. There's an events button, and tickets are available. We want to encourage people to come. I know everybody says this, okay, tickets are limited. 
I get that, and I don't mean to say that as a, oh, better buy it now. But I do want people to know that because of the venue, it's a great place. Anybody's been to Seed to Table, yeah. we love going there. But they just don't have a huge um, a huge room. I mean, so tickets are limited. And so we want to encourage people that if you'd like to come, please take initiative, buy your ticket now. We don't want people to be left out. The last event we had there, many people missed the opportunity. Yeah. And and. We couldn't do anything about it. I mean, we're talking. We're, we're not talking about two or three. We're talking about dozens. Yeah, go so FLC. Want to come, please. Go FLCA.com is the website. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary. Congratulations to you and your great victories. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Phil Kurtman, the uh, president of American Commitment. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <clears throat> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination oh, for Bob many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Good, Luke how you Provence, doing? Located Thanks so much for being available. Cove offers a mix of French so, uh, hey, uh, cooking uh, with bold, the fresh picture on your column, I love the column, and uh, look forward to talking to you about it. Uh, uh, I, I do publish a newsletter about my show every day. Can I use that picture? Is that okay with you, or do I need to... The courtyard garden or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean the, dining the, uh, room. On your, Enjoy on your a wonderful column. and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit Blue Provence Naples com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovincenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence okay, French Restaurant in the heart of Old okay, Naples. Okay, so listen, well, uh, let me stick you on hold and we'll be on air in just a moment. Thanks, Phil. Golf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder of Less President, of uh, Less Government, I should say. Right now we have with us Phil Kirpin. He is the president of uh, American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. We are a national free market advocacy group. We work uh, really on all the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, but we try to focus 
specifically on the fights that are on the margin, where uh, the outcome is not predetermined, as it is in too many fights in Washington, but a little bit of citizen education and involvement and engagement can actually tip the outcome in a more free market direction. And all of our stuff is at AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, you wrote a great column, an alarming column, actually. Stop Biden's double death tax. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, well, the uh, one of the major tax hikes in the Biden budget, uh, which looks like it's going to be in some form the Senate version of this reconciliation bill they're working on, although, interestingly, it's not in the House version, which uh, may be because we've been raising alarm bells about it. We'll have to see whether it's in or out moving forward. Uh, but this, this particular Biden proposal is to essentially create a second death tax in addition to the estate tax we have now by making death a realization event for capital gains purposes, which is to say that uh, when you die, uh, the IRS would consider that the equivalent of selling everything that you own, and therefore uh, the estate or your heirs, uh, whoever the, the legal, uh, whoever takes legal control of those assets, would owe a capital gains tax on the difference between uh, what was originally paid for it and the current assessed value that the IRS thinks it's worth. And of course, you know, since a lot of assets, especially you know things like farmland and uh, you know long life uh, buildings and equipment, things like that, uh, you know, because the basis uh, is you know whatever the person who died paid for it you know, decades and decades ago, it's very, very low in many cases, and so yeah. it's equivalent uh, to taxing essentially the full value uh, or, or near to the full value. Of course, a lot of that gain wasn't even real gain. It was inflationary uh, over those decades. And they're talking about an exemption amount as low as $1 million, which makes it very different uh, from the other death tax, the estate tax, where, uh, you know, after being raised many, many times, after many, you know, pretty partisan fights, uh, that exemption amount is up to $12 million. And so uh, it can still be devastating, uh, you know, for sort of the kind of family business that anchors the town. And you know, I would still love to repeal that tax. For, for most people, it's no longer a direct concern. If you have a new death tax uh, that kicks in at $1 million, suddenly you're hitting a vast, vast number of people, uh, yeah. especially family farms and businesses. So I'll stop there, uh, but that's basically... Oh, oh and I, I should mention also, Bob, and, and the uh, president wants to nearly double the capital, more than double the capital gains rate the same time he's making death a realization event. So it wouldn't be the current 23.8% top rate, but it would be something north of 40%. Yeah. Uh, it's just so... Uh, and my understanding is there's a step up on basis upon death. So in other words, if if uh, uh, you started a business and it uh, increased in value multiple millions of dollars at the point of death, it's valued uh, for the purpose of death taxes at the uh, value of the business at that time or six months later. But uh, there are the capital gains that you, you have a new basis uh, based on the date of death. So this is this is really a big deal. This could make many people who own businesses, family businesses, have to sell the businesses in order to pay the capital gains tax. Uh, right, and you know the uh, the response uh, from the advocates of this is they say, well, no problem, we'll give to them a 15-year payment plan. Uh, but that doesn't really solve the problem. That's the equivalent of having an extra 15-year mortgage to the government on all of those assets, and right. uh, you know that's going to be a substantial drag on cash flow. And you know you still have you know 
you still have to make the payments eventually. And so, it, you know, we're, we're talking about something that would be extremely damaging. Uh, and, and, and it really, it's sort of consistent with so many things we've seen from this administration and from, you know, all the lockdown artists uh, over the last year and a half. Just everything they do seems to handicap small business relative to large, even while they're saying they want to go after the big guys. You know, uh, uh, it brings to mind a thought that I think what this administration wants is for big businesses to survive, little businesses to have to go out of business. They can probably, uh, big businesses can handle the bureau- bureaucratic uh, paperwork and all the things that are involved with this administration. And uh, they consider big business to be a partner while they consider small businesses to be a threat to their uh, regime, to their uh, notion of a, a socialist society. I think there's a lot to that. Uh, frankly, you know, the big big businesses have become uh, so far left culturally, and they've become kind of part and parcel of the democratic uh, liberal coalition. Yeah. Uh, that you know, we shouldn't be surprised that as much as they like to, you know, I mean, it, it consi- consider that, you know, Biden's big talking point for sort of his whole package of tax hikes. Is he says, you know, there are all these companies that don't pay any tax. Well. You know, the, the, those big companies don't pay any tax because they don't book any income. Right. So your all your your tax hikes aren't going to affect them. They're going to affect everyone else. That's right. Exactly. Well, of course, Amazon for years. I don't know if they're paying taxes recently, but uh, they were in expansion mode. So therefore, they reinvested everything they made back into the business, and therefore, yeah, if you don't have any net income, you're not going to pay any income tax. Ex- but they want to act like that's some kind of scandal. Uh, but 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 then use it as a pretext to raise taxes on everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Phil, this is such an important column. Now, uh, you mentioned you got our attention. What can we do to support your efforts? Well, we've got a uh, we've got a pre-written letter to Congress uh, on our website, AmericanCommitment.org. You can just send it off as is, or you can edit it however you'd like to add your own thoughts, and we will make sure that it gets to your congressman and two senators. And uh, you know, that's really all we can do, uh, even if ultimately it's decided by people in states like West Virginia and Arizona. They, it, it, I find that uh, they do not, n- no elected officials care about non-constituents. And so we only encourage constituent contact. And uh, the, really the best thing you can do is write to your own members through our form and then share it, and especially share it if you know people in those states where their senator is kind of on the fence because we need as many constituent contacts there as possible. And as I said, um, they seem to have balked at this on the House side, which is a good sign, but it doesn't mean a whole lot because whatever the House passes, the Senate's going to you know, basically just use it as a shell for whatever their final deal is. So we, we really don't know whether this is going to be in or out right now. That's why we need to keep putting the pressure on. Uh, but some Democrats are, are certainly hesitant, and uh, you know, uh, Max Baucus from Montana recently said something about how he needed family farms and ranches carved out. Well, you know, a carve out is going to have a lot of uh, workability issues versus just not doing something so boneheaded in the first place. Absolutely, Phil Kerpen again, American Commitment, the website. Check it out and do uh, send a letter to your congressman or senator. It is American Commitment. Org. Phil, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and the president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about uh, less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a big market. It's an yeah. aspiration. So, Seaton, you wrote a great column. And, uh, Democrats, climate change is fake, but their taxes are real. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this, of course, is uh, climate change. I call the greatest scam on earth. Yeah. Please, uh, my apologies to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Um, this is a global at attempt to undermine the energy, the fuel of capitalism. Uh, they don't like capitalism. The old joke is environmentalists are watermelons. They're green on the outside and red on the end. <laughs> I this, like that. <laughs> this, this is a communist movement. Um, Earth Day is on Lenin's birth, Vladimir Lenin's birthday. Not a coincidence. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're trying to undermine all the real sources of energy. Uh, obviously oil, um, uh, you know, everything. And, 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 and the, two, the two sources of energy that put the lie to their environmental claims are natural gas and nuclear. They are as clean as it gets. Mm -hmm. and they don't like them. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they're real sources of energy. They actually produce 
energy at an economical rate. Uh, all their fake energy sources are awful. Uh, I always say green energy is neither green nor energy. It's, the, the solar panels are awful for the environment. The wind turbines are awful for the environment, both making them and disposing of them when they break or, or uh, break down. Right. Um, solar panels, you have to bury like nuclear waste when you're done with them. And, of course, they don't produce energy at all. Right. I mean, they hardly produce any energy at all. They have to be backed up, of course, if the sun doesn't shine, if the wind doesn't blow. Um, the, the kilowatt hour uh, um, dollar amount is 10 to 15 times what it is for real energy sources. Right. So all these things are going into this climate push. And government needs money to subsidize the fake energy, so they want to get it from real energy sources. Hmm. And... You know, the, the, the summation of their messaging is, we need to save the planet, so give us more of your money. Yeah. And all they're proposing in the, in the, um, in, in the Senate, there's a bill where they're going to dramatically increase taxes on uh, real energy sources. And do we know? <laughs> I mean... It just goes into the general revenue. It doesn't even. It isn't even earmarked for fake energy projects, right. which wouldn't would be bad enough. It just. It's just more money for government. And of course, there was a poll done by a leftist outfit, which of course the media dutifully uh, trumpeted and lyingly so. Um, the poll said, you know, seventy-seven percent of people favor taxes on energy sources, and what they did was. They polled and asked, do you favor them a lot or favor them somewhat? And lumped them all together. <laughs> so, so, and most of, the, most of the favored ones were somewhat, not, not a lot, somewhat. Yeah. And they were almost entirely Democrats. And, of course, what they don't tell you in the article is what was the weighting, you know, because we get these polls and then it turns out that there were twice as many Democrats polled as Republicans. Right. We didn't even get that information. But lumping together, I, I said in the piece, I am a lot interested in $5 million. I am somewhat interested in $5. Right. To lump those two together is a lie. <laughs> you know, hey, he's interested in both. No, not, not, <laughs> not, not equally. No, no, I'm not. So, so this poll... Comes, you know, of course, nothing is, you know, I'm like Dr. House, MD. Nothing is a coincidence. This poll came out right after Senator, Democrat Maryland Senator Ben Holland released his bill looking to tax real energy sources. Yeah. Oh, look, here we have a poll that says Americans want to tax real energy sources, just like Chris Hall's bill does. So it's all just another. You know, uh, the latest mile marker in this giant lie that is climate change. So, is this a is this a carbon tax? Um, sort of. Uh, there, it's how they're doing it. Is they're saying if you it's a carbon tax. If you produce carbon, and of course that's a lie too. That's of course. Carbon dioxide is not poison. Ask a plant. <laughs> <laughs> Asking a human being for crying out loud. Well, everything we exhale, plants inhale. It's a perfect symbiotic relationship. Exactly. As, as I say, if you if you if you want to, you know, don't hug a tree. Don't hate. Respirate. 
you know, if you, if you really want to help trees, give them more carbon dioxide with which to work. Yeah. This whole thing is such a fake. You are absolutely right about this. And uh, we just talked in a previous section about a guy you know, basically, Phil Kirpin from America. Oh, Committee, yeah. About the uh, double death tax that Biden wants to perpetrate as well. So I've written, Yes, and I've written about that, too. It's, it's, it's a, we've, we've success, this is one of the few messaging wars we've actually won. Yeah. We've labeled the estate tax the death tax, and it's stuck. It worked. We almost never win these wars. So now they're looking for another way to do it <laughs> because we've, we've actually poisoned the well on them doing it the original way, so they had to come up with a new way. And, of course, they have. Yeah, unbelievable. You see, it's just uh, incredible. And uh, so yeah, what's the likelihood of this uh, legislation passing? You know, if it's not via regular, this is why they're trying to cram 8 million illegal alien amnesties into reconciliation. They're asking the parliamentarian. By the way, did you do you recall voting for the Senate parliamentarian? I don't. No, I don't. Uh, but um, that's why the, I don't think this is. I don't. One, I. I don't know, but I don't think this qualifies as a reconciliation item. No, I'm sure so therefore, I don't think it passes this Senate because they'll need you know somebody will filibuster it. They'll need sixty votes, and I can't imagine them getting that. Threshold. Well, you never know with the Romneys well, out there. And again, you gotta <laughs> you gotta make people aware of these things, no matter you know. Yeah. Because you know the things that don't get talked about are the ones that sneak through. That's right, and and of course uh, this is very helpful. I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to your website, lessgovernment.org. It's posted right there. You have a chance to take a look at Democrats. Climate change is fake, but their taxes are real. Pretty alarming. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We'll be doing that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 
692-9840, and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, always my pleasure. Uh, regardless of what the weather is on a Thursday, unless it's a major snowstorm that we're having down there in, in Naples, um, I'm there. I know you are, and I just genuinely appreciate it. Which, by the way, I know you're in upstate New York, uh, and uh, right now we've been having some uh, beautiful weather. It's uh, It's been warm, it's been hot, but uh, the humidity has not been as strong as it's typically this time of year. Wow. Well... We, um, we've been having some unseasonably hot weather here. As a matter of fact, they're forecasting next week um, a couple of days in the high 80s. And we had two days last week that was like 87 and, and 86. And it was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, on, and especially for this time of the year up here in, in, uh, you know, in September. But um, <clears throat> it, it cool, certainly cooled down last night. And uh, it's, like I said, it's 56 degrees this morning, but beautiful, beautiful yeah. fall day. I can imagine. So, um, with that being said, um, we uh, there's another council candidate that had announced. I don't know if we if we knew that last week. I think we did. He's a he's a, um, a realtor, retired executive. Uh, he is also uh, <clears throat> president of the uh, Republican Party uh, in in Collier, in, I, uh, Naples, and he is running for Naples City Council. His name is Jim Dugan. I think his first name is Jim, but. Um, D-U-G-A-N is his last name. Um, and um, his statement was, uh, was was pretty interesting, Bob, because he came right out and said he's pro-growth uh, and development, that they go hand in hand, and uh, it's good for the property values and people and everything else. So um, I I saw a, a memo from one of the uh, uh, dissidents, I should say. I would call them that because they always write nasty stuff. And I saw one and I said, well... Here we go again. Uh, get ready. We're going to have to do this and that and the other thing. So they're they're already armed and 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 ready for war. If it's a candidate that announces that they don't like, well, you know that's we have uh, rules and uh, about the heights of building and the density and all kinds of things. Within those rules, why wouldn't you want growth? I just don't understand that. Well, you, you know. Um, they, they, he's talking about general growth, and of course you want it. I mean, that's what's made us, uh, you know, you're you're 100% right. Everything, you follow the rules, you own a piece of property, you develop the property, um, and you stay within the guidelines. I mean, 
listen, that's kind of how Naples happened, wasn't it? Exactly. Uh, and and still is in the county and and east of us and you know I was going to say west of us but I don't think that <laughs> <Yeah>. would have worked. <laughs> We're not building in the Gulf yet. <laughs> the only thing we could put out there is uh, oil di- uh, derricks and uh, windmills. Oh God, don't start that, Bob. <laughs> I know, and windmills. We don't need that. We don't need that on the Paradise Coast we, for sure. We don't even want to breathe that because somebody will somebody will mistake and said, "Oh my God, Barnett and Harden were talking about." Uh, <laughs> about drilling in the Gulf this morning, uh, you know, so we better never bring that up. That's exactly right. So uh, now, would you describe the uh, current mayor and a couple of the council people as being non-growth or not against growth? I would say they they would be pretty much against, um, yeah, I would say that. I I definitely would say that. Um, I I will will say one more thing. that uh, happened a few weeks ago, and I, I've been thinking about it ever since. When our staff is leaving, you know, we're losing good people. Yeah. Um, and we and there's an issue, by the way, with our, from what I understand, I don't know inside information on this, but, um, you know, it's time for the unions to bargain again. And uh, I understand that the police are very unhappy um, because they're not getting a raise that they uh, wanted or a contract. I don't know all the all the details, um, but um, uh, I, I and she made a remark and she said, "Well, well, these people leaving or staff leaving, you know, this is not has nothing to do with me or or the team here." <laughs> yes. And and I'm I I was saying, you know, gosh, if I was sitting there. I would have take I would have taken her to task in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, because of course it's you. You know the old story: the fish stinks from the head, right? That's right. Well, there's a classic example of that. <laughs> well, you know, so, in, uh, uh, there's a Kimberling City, Missouri, and okay. apparently the uh, the police chief resigned there, and all of the officers resigned too. They have no police force. Oh, <laughs> And it's yeah. a small city, it's 2,500 people, but can you imagine that? I mean, uh, you you got to pay attention to this stuff. And, uh, of course, the way uh, uh, law enforcement has been treated here for the last couple of years by the left, it's just uh, remarkable that people are willing to stay on the job. But right. ir- irrespective, and, and we we got to respect these people and, and make sure that they're appreciated and well right. and fairly compensated. And it's the fire, fire guys, too, you know? I yeah. mean, you, you just... We, I understand through a survey done with the uh, with the police, and it was a, uh, an inside survey um, for both police and fire that w- our police department is at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to getting paid salaries really? oh, and uh, and other things. And this council is going to have to step up and make up, okay, and say, hey, um, w- this is Naples, Florida, people, and we expect absolutely the best. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, you got. How many, I don't care how many million dollars in water projects, which is fine, but you better take care of your people, that's you know, a, because a, they're the they're the ones that drive the bus. Absolutely. Well, and of course, uh, the the governor has just done a great job. He's basically saying, "Hey, all you folks up there that are unhappy in the north that are, are not being treated fairly, we're actually giving uh, relocation bonuses and a five thousand dollars signing bonus if you come down here and, and serve in law enforcement." So yeah, yeah, for sure. And we can't hire people. I mean, you know. Um, I'm I'm thinking about maybe driving a school bus when I get back, Bob. Because <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, 
uh, I'm probably too old. I probably wouldn't <laughs> let me let me do that. But uh, you know, you, people are giving bonuses and doing all kinds of things to get people to work. Yeah. But now I think that the checks have stopped rolling. Maybe you're going to see a, an increase in uh, in employment. I certainly hope so. You certainly would think so, anyhow. So yeah, uh, yeah definitely. Uh, we've been uh, in, in the last few weeks. We've been talking about uh, city council meetings, and I, I know there was a meeting this past week. Uh, any comments? No, well, they had a couple of meetings um, uh, last week. They had three meetings last week, and uh, then they had a workshop this Monday, and then they had a meeting um, yesterday, uh, which they managed to get through uh, on the, on the early side. You know, good for them. Mm -hmm. um, but um, they just keep going around and around and around and around. And and Bob, I'm going to tell you, I. I think we're going to be in for a rough ride. I don't know how they're going to get a replacement city manager because any city manager um, that comes from Florida League of Cities or that knows, they all they have a management group, you know, across the state that they talk to each other. And obviously, somebody who applies for this Naples job is going to say, well, why did uh, Charles Chapman leave? And uh, uh, what's the problem? And, you know... Um, uh, I, you know, and Dana is doing a terrific job as interim manager, but he can't do it by himself. Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, they don't need to ask. They know the answer to the question because those folks talk among themselves. Like, hey, we got a great mayor. We have a lousy mayor. Right. You know that, that uh, the word's out on what's going on in Naples, Florida. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, I, I think, uh, think they got a lot to, to 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 chew on there for sure absolutely again uh bill barnett former mayor of naples we we would hope that he would come back and serve again but apparently it's not going to happen but well uh, <laughs> one never knows bob one okay. never knows Ooh, you left the door open that's good news <laughs> well <laughs> the door the door is always open you know i never i don't like to close doors but uh now that's Probably the reality is no, but uh, hey, what can I tell you? Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, anyway, so you know, only time will tell. Yeah. Bill, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob, and you have a wonderful, wonderful day and good weekend. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow's show. William Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Michael Cannon, who's the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds will be with us, as well as William Damon. Uh, William has uh, written an interesting column, uh, Why Everyone Could Benefit from a Life Review. I found that very interesting. I thought we'd share it on our show uh, tomorrow. So uh, I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>